times in our past We're all filled with joy A fairy book tale of a girl and a boy Now the smiles on the wall Should be shedding their tears For a love that has failed after so many years You won't even try Hello. Everybody, welcome back to North Idaho. Now this is episode 196. Getting up on that 200 mark, everybody. What a what a milestone for this show. Chance Watson bringing you the news today. This episode is brought to you by Hecla Mining Company. Hecla Mining Company is a leading low-cost silver producer with operating silver mines in Alaska, Idaho, and Mexico, and is a growing gold producer with operating mines in Quebec, Canada, and Nevada. They are the largest primary silver producer in the U.S., responsible for one-third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value-based culture, leveraging mining skills to over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company or their career opportunities, please visit HeclaMining.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Hope the week wasn't too hard on you. Want to remind you guys once again to subscribe or like or follow the show on whatever podcatcher or music app that you're on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all the all the normal ones. We are on them. We are there. Make sure you subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. And if you like what you hear, leave a nice review. We really appreciate that here at North Idaho Now. Folks, I'm not going to talk too long today because we have a very, very meaty episode for you. Lots of news to get to and a fantastic interview. I, I This has been one of my one of the most fun interviews I've had in quite a while on the show. Uh, I, Mel is an absolute treasure uh, and a wonderful singer. Absolutely wonderful. I, I can't say things highly enough of uh, this individual and her voice. She is absolutely tremendous. I have had the fortune of listening to her sing uh, in, in multiple venues. Uh, across our local area and uh, it's just been a treat every time but uh, before I uh, uh, jump ahead so far the one thing I do want to talk about uh, I did recently see a trailer for this movie called Renfield now uh, longtime listeners of the show know that I'm a Nick Cage fan Uh, while I'm not going to sit here and say that every single movie from Nick Cage has just been an absolute home run uh, it has not (coughs) wicker man uh he does have some great films, and his awkward style of acting definitely uh, definitely strikes a vein for me. So uh, Renfield, while I, it doesn't appear that Nick Cage is the main character in it, uh, he does play a vampire, Dracula, and not like a Twilight vampire or something that walks around all normal and then kind of becomes – like he is gray with uh, with the jagged teeth and everything. Like it – this looks like a very interesting film that I need to put – that is definitely on my radar. Uh, I hope it gets on your guys's as well. Anytime that I see something interesting, I always want to put it on your guys's radar so you can kind of tuck that away. Um, as far as actual news, like movie news and stuff that I have on my radar, uh, other than Renfield – uh, I'm just finally in line to go uh, see the new Avatar movie. I think that that's finally coming about. I don't know. <laughs> it's It's been difficult to carve out three whole hours of my life uh, just to sit down and dedicate to a movie. But uh, it seems like that time is finally coming upon us here this weekend uh, and uh, excited to finally watch it. Um, I definitely wasn't a Avatar stan 
when the first one came out. Uh, I've mentioned several times on this show that I feel like the the plot of the first Avatar was just a uh, ripoff of Dances with Wolves, a a, a great movie back when it came out. Um, but the special effects are great. Um, the story, you know, the sci-fi twist with it, it's it, you know, it's not one to one, absolutely, but um, it's definitely uh, it borrowed some elements from it. So I'm I'm curious if that element pops up again here everything that i've been hearing from people is absolutely great um it, it's it's a visual masterpiece hey come on it's james cameron he's always raising the bar uh the south park fans out there will understand that reference so uh, very excited to watch that movie and finally knock that off of my list um i i, I feel like I, for the first time in a while uh, i've got i've got some time over this weekend to maybe sit down and catch up on some of the movies that i've been wanting to watch for quite a while now so uh maybe that's it maybe i kick back and 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 watch all those so you know what if folks if you've got that time go for it yourself it's it's very nice to sit down and turn your brain off and watch a movie every once in a while whether it be uh, a rom-com or horror film or action movie whatever whatever it may be whatever your poison is uh Boy, just get out there. Sometimes uh, a good a good movie is is good for the mind and for the soul. All right, folks. Now we're gonna jump back into it. Uh, Mel Dalton on the show today, local musician, absolutely just absolutely fantastic. I, I can't say enough about it. Uh, you guys got a little taste of her uh, music at the beginning of this show uh, as the intro music as we as we do here in North Idaho. Now I will put the full version of that song at the end of this episode so if you guys are interested in hearing that full song or just checking her out uh, she's on all the normal stuff spotify facebook instagram she talks about this in the interview so without further ado let's jump on over to our interview with mel dalton mel welcome to the show well thank you so much absolutely Thanks for having me i know I, I feel like i just saw you not too long ago Something like. Yeah, something like. Not not too long ago, huh? Um, Mel, I, I want to start out with how I start out all of these interviews. Where are you from? Ah, I grew up in a little town in western Washington called Bremerton. Mm -hmm. It's a Navy town. A lot of surprising number of people around here have heard of it. Yes. And I, I technically grew up outside Bremerton. I was about 20 minutes from the nearest stoplight out in the woods on the other side of Green Mountain, mm -hmm. kind of over near the Hood Canal. So... Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. How'd you like growing up there? I loved it. Yeah? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It was just these gorgeous, huge trees and the mountains and there was water everywhere and I just, I loved it. I've always been sort of a be off by myself homebody sort sure. of a person. So being in the middle of nowhere wasn't, you know, wasn't a problem. Sure. I loved it. Um, no, it was fantastic. Is that where you first got into music? Actually, no. No? Um, okay. I was, I've been singing my whole life. Okay. Mom popped me out and I was just, I just started right there. <laughs> we, we had a lot of music in the family. Um, my mom has always sung, her mom actually sung, I am a third generation professional musician, wow. performer. Okay. Um, mom didn't like, hasn't done a lot of the, the performing, the professional musician, but she created a, an environment, a home environment where there was just music constantly. We sure. were always singing and we were always listening to something and always uh, myself and my older sister and I and mom doing harmonies, three-part harmonies and singing on just 
everything. Mm-hmm. It's great when we do uh, birthdays um, and we sing happy birthday and it comes out in four-part harmony. That's so We go great. to the re- a restaurant to do a birthday lunch or birthday something and we, we light the candles and we start singing and heads start turning like, what? Gotcha. Okay, so definitely a family it's affair. It's a big, big family affair. Definitely. Okay, so it's yeah. not necessarily when you started singing because it's it's always been there. Yep. When did you first start trying to get into the role of like performing? Um, I got... I started... I mean, like most people, I, I started in school choir and church choir. Yep. How'd you do in those? I, How, did you enjoy doing that? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then I went, to, I went to college. Yeah. And the only thing that I could imagine No, doing, like shows or bands or anything up until that point? No. Okay, okay. Good. No, it was, it was all very... Yeah, school and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, school and church. Absolutely, thing. yeah. Um, I didn't really have any any connections as far as, you know, getting on stages or performing professionally right. or anything like that. Okay. Never, I didn't gotcha. go out much. You I went to school in Bremerton, right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, so going to college, where'd you go to college? I went to college at a tiny little school in Michigan. Oh, why? <laughs> Excellent question. <laughs> why? Why would you do that? <laughs> I realized in high school that I wanted to sing for a living. Okay. I didn't know how to get into it. Yeah. But I figured if you go to Nashville... You know, mm-hmm. you can figure it out from there. Sure. This is this is what I saw. So I'm like, okay. If you go there, it will I'm come gonna, kind of thing. Yeah. I will go to Nashville and okay. I will make my music and hopefully somebody important right. will fig you know, will will see me sure. and I'll make it. Wanted to go to Nashville, so you went to Michigan. So <laughs> I was yes, yes. It seems weird, but let me sure. explain it to okay, you. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Um I was I was a very uh not protected, what's the word I'm looking for? Um like my I didn't do a whole lot in in high school. My parents were mm-hmm. were like very protective gotcha. of me, okay, and and of my sister. And we didn't not a lot of extracurriculars or anything like that. Not not a lot of lot of extracurriculars. Not a lot of like I didn't know how to do a budget. Oh, okay. I had never paid my own bills. Right. So I turn eighteen. Right. And I'm gonna be unleashed on the world. Wor- worldly stuff. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. No worldly stuff going yeah. on. And so I wanted to go to Nashville. But I also knew that I really didn't feel like I was ready to be out on my own completely. Sure. So I was like, okay, what can I do in sort of an in-between phase? Well, what if I go to college? Okay. So I went to college because back in the 90s, everybody was expected to go to college. If sure. you had any kind of talent in anything, you had to go to college or else, you know, you weren't good sure. enough. <laughs> uh, that, that was the message I got. Anyway. Right, right. So um, I... I'm going to go to college. I'm going to have to spend a bunch of money on this. What do I want to study? Well, the only thing that I wanted to spend the next four years studying was music. Mm-hmm. I was very religious at the time. I wanted to go to a, I had gone to a fairly large high school. Okay. So I wanted to go to a small college. Okay. I wanted to uh, study contemporary music. Mm-hmm. There were only th- two schools that were religious, small, and had contemporary music programs okay. that I found. I applied to both of them, and the one in Michigan gave me a scholarship, and the one in Wisconsin did not. So I, so went, to, to I went to Michigan. Yes, all right. <laughs> that was that was the. Uh, that was it. Yeah, that it's a was good the, process. the full yeah. the full consideration there. So how'd you like your time there? You know, it yes, wasn't no. great. It wasn't okay. great. Okay, it was. I learned a lot. I oh oh, and the other criteria criterion was that I, I've always been a lot like my mom mm-hmm. 
and I wanted to be away from family oh. because I wanted to be able to figure out what was me and what was mom and sure. sort of get the, some separation. Sure. So, right. Distance. Got it. Distance. That was the other the yeah. other criterion. Um, I, I liked figuring myself out. I liked having my own life. I went away with, you know, hardly anything. I came back married with a career mm-hmm. and goals and everything. So, so that was really awesome. I didn't like Michigan as a place. Okay. <laughs> I didn't really like it. I didn't like sure. the weather. It's muggy and it's gross and the weathers are Were the classes okay at least? No. <laughs> so this school has lost their accreditation ah, since then. Okay. Because they when I that attended it they all. still had their accreditation. Yeah. But the only like they required a one science class and one math one science or math class. Mm. No one of each. Mm. One either or and I've always loved math and science. Sure. I took a computer science class. Mm. Was all they offered mm. for science? Mm. Yeah. Um, so now you're into computer sciences. Is that, is, that, is that what you're telling me now? Okay, all right. <laughs> so, so that was like the one. Yeah, it. I, I just wasn't. It wasn't on the same level so that I did. Expected you graduate from there? Be. I graduated. Got my AA. Okay. I also got what we call my my MRS. I got married while I was there. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, my now ex got his bachelor's and at that point for to have um, health insurance I had gone to school started doing school part time mm-hmm. and work full time mm-hmm. which is where the career came from so I got into okay. retail as a career gotcha and then money got even shorter and so then I took a second job waiting tables still not singing at this point still not like going out and and singing professionally or okay. going to bars how old or anything are you, how old like are you at this time uh, early twenties. We okay. left in. We we moved back to Washington. I moved back to Washington. He moved to Washington, in '04, spring of '04. Okay. So that was right about when I turned twenty six. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I still wasn't performing. Sure. Definitely. But at that point, I came back to, to to where I was mm-hmm. and had family around and friends around, and we started going out and karaoke. Okay. And through a series of meeting people and finding people and trying to put bands together and not happening, I finally ended up in my first band. Okay. And now we're singing professionally and we're actually gigging and it's great. Wait, your first band is still your current band? No. Oh, okay. I was no, going to say, wait, wait, oh, okay. Ago. I was this like, wow. Was years ago. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> no. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that would be crazy. I would love that longevity. Yeah. I've had very, I've had nothing in my life with that kind of longevity okay. other than like my sister and my mother. Okay, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so first um, band, well, uh, tell me a little bit about the first band. The first band was... What were they called? What did we call it? Audacity Factor. Audacity Factor. The lead guitarist decided that was the name. And, okay, fine, let's let's run with it. Sure. I was still fairly... Uh, what were you singing? Shy and mousy. That sounds like a, a punk rock classic band. rock. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. A lot of classic rock and some blues. Mostly cover stuff? All covers. Oh, all covers. Okay. All covers. Okay. And um, it, was, it was fun. Weren't that great... Sure. You know, that that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, but I we had a we had a gig at a actually at a place that I had sung karaoke for several years mm-hmm. and had always dreamed of singing in a real band there. Okay. And I finally got my first gig wow. at this place where I had, you know, had the dream all for yeah. however long. Where was that? It's called Our Place. It's in Silverdale, Washington. Okay. And um, it's like, not quite divey, but real close. Sure. 
And sure. it's yeah. The perfect yeah. blend. That's that's my my comfort zone right there. I, like I go into some divey little bar and there are people playing pool and everyone's, you know, yeah. I can understand that. Love that. Yes, Love that. Absolutely. I'm, that's right here. Mm-hmm. That's right here. I feel real good about that. So, used to be a place in Hayden that was very similar. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah, was. Yeah, there, there was. Okay, so you're in Sil- Silverdale. See, yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm gigging in Silverdale and a friend. Oh, no. One of my coworkers, his dad was a musician. Mm-hmm. And so he brings his dad out and the dad introduces me to somebody. And it just kind of goes from there. And I start meeting a couple people and ended up in another band and that didn't work out the first band didn't work out this band sure. didn't work out and kind of you know went around from place to place bounced around a little bit bounced around a little bit as yeah. you do tried sure. this thing tried that thing sure. tried, tried the other thing very rarely people get it on the first go oh yeah no yeah. no yeah. the the thing is when you learn to do a thing if you learn how to do it right the first time that's great you know how to do it sure but if you get it wrong 50 times before you actually get it right you know how to do it right. You also know 50 things that can go wrong mm-hmm. and how to fix them. And how to avoid them. In the fix future. them and avoid them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So you, you learn a lot more by making mistakes. Right. Which is something I didn't realize when I was younger, but... Sure. You know? Yeah. Eh. Understandable. You haven't, you're, not old, you're not old enough yet to make the mistakes. So there you go. Right. You're, yeah. Wisdom experience. Pers- perspective, experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. So um, I ended up in a duo... And we called it No Baggage, and it was me and a guy named Tuck. And we played for a couple of years together, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, my retail career had ended at that point because, A, I got entirely sick of the way they treat everybody mm-hmm. in retail. Mm-hmm. And, B, our store got closed. Okay. So this was in the... Two the, solid reasons, yeah. Right, right yep. after the recession yep. in 08. And my... Um, uh, yeah, the store got closed and a whole lot of people who worked there had worked there like their entire lives mm-hmm. or, you know, for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And they were all upset. And I think I was the only person who was excited when they said they were closing the store. Sure. Because I'm like, I am never working retail again. Right. So it was an exciting moment for me. Um, so I was playing with Tuck and we were, that was my, that was my job. That's how I paid my rent. Mm-hmm. And it was the most exciting wonderful time of my life because I was doing this thing and that was my focus. Doing this thing that you love. Doing this thing that I love that I've always wanted to do. Right. And I And it's paying the bills. And it was paying at least some of the bills. Some of the bills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then uh, uh Tuck and his wife went to Arizona on vacation. Mm-hmm. And his wife decided they were moving to Arizona. Okay. Okay. So they moved to Arizona. Right. Now, where are you? Where does that leave you? Living in Bremerton, unable to, uh, not good enough playing guitar to play by myself. Okay. And with no confidence to play by myself. So I I ended up finding a band. Uh, One of Tuck's friends introduced me to some people he had just met, formed a band, and we called it Northwest Chill. Okay. And we played together for nine and a half years. Wow. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. How was that? Amazing. Good. Oh, my God. So good. So tasty. What did you guys sing? Uh, we did. We did. All five of us in the band had different tastes. Really? So it was this interesting melange of music that had, it was very difficult to describe briefly. Mm-hmm. Because our um, our drummer was a blues guy. 
I love country music. Mm-hmm. One of our lead guitarists loves prog rock. Okay. Our bass player actually had been in a metal band before us. Okay. Yeah. So we, when we decided we were going to add more music, everyone would just submit two songs. Sure. And we'd all learn all the songs, and then we would work them out, and the ones that worked, we would do. Okay. And that was the that was the process. Sounds that was like, how we made our like solid. Pro- yeah. And at that point, we started throwing some originals into the mix. Okay. Which was super exciting and super scary at first. How did originals come about? Because up until this point, you haven't talked about songwriting or anything. When, um, just while I was still karaokeing, um, I started kind of writing songs, just a couple. Jotting stuff down on a bar napkin or. Yeah, coming up with ideas, writing out ideas. Um, The the song I sent you, actually, is uh, the first song that I wrote as an adult. Okay. Which usually you write a a, a lot of really crappy songs before you get any good ones. I got one good one and then a lot of really crappy ones. Okay. So (laughs) the proportion of of crappy to good is still there. I just started out well. Yeah. Which Rusty Rusty Jackson likes to tease me. He said that, uh, oh, so you peaked early. Yeah. How's that? Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Rusty. Thanks, Rusty. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, so I I started kind of writing a little bit. And, um, yeah, yeah, not, not much. And I was, had no confidence in it whatsoever. Were you not really enjoying it or you wanted to enjoy it? I wanted to enjoy it and I wanted to believe that what I was doing was good, but I had no self-confidence about it. Got it. So it was like, okay, I think this thing is okay. Sure. But, and I needed a lot of, you know, zhuzhing and back padding and and encouragement from those around me. Right. I still kind of do, but. Sure, sure. We, who doesn't? We're, we're who all doesn't? we're all a little needy that way. Absolutely, yeah. In in certain ways. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I got together with Sean, our, our one of the lead guitarists in Northwest Chill, and we we went through some of my originals and some of his originals and put them together, and we ended up doing an EP mm-hmm. with a band, and it was four songs. It's out on Spotify and all the all the platforms under Northwest Chill. Album's called Breaking the Ice. Okay. And it was four tunes, and three of them were mine. Okay. And one of them was okay. Sean's. Nice. So that was, like, all of a sudden, now oh, we're doing first originals. Start. Okay. First start. Okay. Yeah. You said that was nine and a half years? Nine and a half years we played, yes. Okay. So yes. Had, had the band break up? They're still kind of going. Okay. And when I say kind of, I mean that it's... Sean is the only original member still in it. Gotcha. But it's, it's evolved over time. It's, yeah, it's okay. evolved, yes. People have come in gotcha. and dropped out. And it's, so what made bands you leave? Do. I got married and moved to Idaho. Oh, okay. <laughs> and for Wait, while, when was that? That was in 2019. 2019. Oh, so very, fairly recent. Fairly okay. recent, yes. Right during the heat of the pandemic. Right before the pandemic, yes. Perfect. Yeah. Great timing. Just got out here. Didn't hardly even meet anybody because my husband and I are both kind of homebodies. Sure. So we just kind of sat around. We didn't do a whole lot. Sure. Um, I was driving out to Washington once a month or so mm-hmm. um, to to go to gigs. Sure. And after about a year or so, it just got to be a little bit much for the traveling. And we weren't really progressing. We had talked about, we had planned. I mean, we had straight up had plans to do another album, to do some more stuff, to mm-hmm. add more originals, to write more music, write some music together. And everybody's lives just kind of went, eh, okay. all at once. Sure. And we weren't progressing, and it it just didn't feel like I was getting enough out of it yeah. anymore. Meanwhile, 
I was at the gym one day and I saw a little poster for somebody's music mm. and I looked them up on Facebook and on this gal's Facebook page, I don't even remember whose it is anymore. Oh, that's funny. She had a a post about the Inland Northwest Country Music Association's mm. annual awards ceremony. Interesting. And I was like, there's a what? Yeah. So we went. It was Friday, and the somewhere, thing was that somewhere Sunday. Somewhere Rusty is smiling right somewhere now. Somewhere Rusty Jackson yeah. is smiling, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so um, so we went. Yeah. And I was so excited. Uh, there's country music. There's actually an organization. There's enough yeah. country music here that there's an actual organization. Crazy. Oh, my God. I'm going to meet people. Right. So we went, and it was the la- It was when they was at the Croc, mm-hmm. This the last year that they did it at the Croc Center. And we're sitting there, and I'm watching, and I'm listening to these people, and I'm so excited. All of this talent and all these people. And afterward, I turned to Jeff, and I'm like, I'm going to... Jeff, your husband? Jeff, uh, sorry. Yep. My husband, no, You're Jeff. good. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go talk to some people. And he's mm-hmm. like, go for it, honey. I walked up on stage, and I started shaking hands. Hi, I'm Mel. Hi, I'm Mel. I'm a songwriter. Hi, I'm Mel. I, I'm a singer. Hi, I'm Mel. I just moved here. <laughs> And, and you made all these connections. And that's where, yeah, next thing I know, we're hanging at the bomber and we're just, there's a whole crew, a whole community, a family of musicians that we just sort of fell right into. Huh. And everyone just with open arms said, come on yep. in. We love you. It, oh, yeah. And that's my life now. So I was going to say, so how, <laughs> your, your time as a musician in North Idaho, how's it been? Off the charts, amazing. Off the charts, amazing. Off the charts, amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Well, that's just I great. am, yes, yes. I could not ask for more than... What do you love most about it? Oh, wow. I love the community. Yeah. I love all the people who are so good in so many different ways. We are very lucky to have so many talented musicians wow. and artists up here. It's yeah, crazy. yeah. I... Present company included. Oh well, thank you. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah. Just all of the all of the people that I can, you know, that that form the community that I learn so much from. Mm-hmm. That you know, we build off of each other. When I went to, I'm working on an album right now, and when I went to do the recording for that, are you are you by yourself solo right now? No, or, it's a okay. band. Okay, what's what's the give us a spiel? Album is going to be called Ramblings and Recollections. Okay, it's an EP. It's not a full album. Okay, but it's five original tracks. And what's two, the band's name? It's it's not really like a band band. We're not going to like tour okay. and play. Sure. but it was just like a band for the album. Okay. Um, but Chrissy Summering, who I'm in the Midnight Juliets with. Yep. And Erica Janelle, who is also in the Midnight Juliets with me, they are on the album. And Harry Batty is playing bass. Mm-hmm. And Mark is playing drums. You guys, the Midnight Juliet's, you guys are and, so good. Oh, oh God. So good. I should have brought you one of those T-shirts. Should I? I love that. Oh, ah. yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good stuff. Oh, well, actually, no, I don't have those T-shirts. Oh, Erica no. has those T-shirts. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, someone else think, can take the think T-shirts. Think about me in the future someone, one day. Yeah. I will, okay, absolutely. Perfect, perfect. I certainly yeah. will. Um, yeah, and uh, and Ben Vogel is doing lead guitar on that. Uh, Ben's, ben was one of the first to come on the show. Ben is amazing. Yes, he is. Yes, talented in so many ways. So, yeah, we... I mean, I just have 15 options for everything that I want to do. And it's sure. just, what style of guitar do I want? What style of drummer do I want? Sure. What style of bass playing do I want? And I, you know, and everybody is just so eager to collaborate and yep. work together. And it's... So is the goal to finally get to Nashville? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
No, not anymore. No, I don't oh, want to. Okay. okay. I'm going to travel. I'm going to go to Nashville. Sure. Like, pay my respects right. and do the thing. Right. Of course. But I, I have no desire to move to Nashville anymore. I have no desire to Good. go there and spend a lot of time and effort. I think the pool is just too big. I have never been the person who can walk into a room and command the presence of the room. I, I've never been that person. Sure. Okay. I don't even know how to do that. Right. I don't think I want to be that person in the first place. Sure. It's fine. Other people can be that person. It's great. Mm. That's their thing. It's not mine. Mm. I just want to make music and have a good time with it. And, you know, I've spent enough time in small venues that when I go to big venues and I play and you just go on stage and you do your thing and then you get off the stage, mm -hmm. it's it's great. I love the energy. I love big crowds of people and somebody's out there singing along and having a good time and they're yep. partying. It's such a good feeling. Yep. But there's a little piece of emptiness in it because I love going to a venue and when I go on break, I walk around and I talk to people. Yeah. I yep. love that. I love making that, that connection. Great? I'm I'm all about that, you know, that, that genuine connection between human beings. Yes. Um, I do a, a live stream every Monday and I love that people get on and I can chat with them. Yep. And they, you know, the comments pop up and I'm talking to them and they're talking to me. I love that feeling. It's great. That's my favorite thing about like doing music, doing live music, getting out there yeah. is, is actually interacting with people. So getting big would be great for the ego, mm -hmm. but I don't think my ego needs to be fed that much. <laughs> my soul needs to be Gotta fed more than my chat. ego. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So what's, What's looking forward, immediate forward? What do we what do we got? Next big thing that I am doing is a fundraiser, mm. which is going to be on February 5th. It's going to benefit Safe Passage, which is a domestic violence advocacy center here in Coeur d'Alene. Okay. And it's going to be at the Eagles here in downtown CDA on Sherman. Mm -hmm. Sunday, February 5th from 5 to 8. Okay. We're going to have four acts. Wow. Dallas K is going to play. Okay. The Juliets are going to play. Yeah. Carly Osika, who you've had on Carly the show before. Was, yeah, just, Carly yeah. is going to play with us. Carly's on the show. And then um, uh, Crown Rational is going to close the show out. Gotcha. So it's going to be all all four of us, grou our, our groups, and it's going to be a fantastic show. Tickets are 50 bucks. They're available on Eventbrite. You get a free drink with it. You get a couple free raffle tickets. We're going to have silent auction items. It's going to be a night. Awesome. And we're going to raise a bunch of money and support people who are getting out of really some of the worst situations you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great so, cause. That's awesome. Yeah. Very that's, cool. That's the next deal. Nell, anything else you want to throw in there? Anything else you want to talk about? I would love to tell people where they can find me. Perfect. I'm all over the web at Mel Dalton Music. Just all of your socials. Look for Mel Dalton Music. I'm on Facebook at Mel Dalton Music. I'm on uh, Twitter, although I don't use it that much. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Patreon. If you really want to get like the inside scoop on things, you can join me on Patreon. And everything just at Mel Dalton Music. I'm awesome. Easy, I'm easy to find. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> Mel, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. Well, well, hey, maybe we'll have you on again. I'd love that. Awesome. All right, folks, time to jump into some Coeur d'Alene Post Falls Press headlines, starting with Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, brand new year. Headline, $1 million makeover. This is by Bill Bewley. 
The home of the Streets and Engineering Department is in line for a million-dollar makeover. The City Council on Tuesday unanimously approved paying Design West up to $49,000 for architectural services for the remodel project. The facility at 3,800 North Ramsey Road next to Fire Station 2 was constructed in 1990 with no significant upgrades since then. Building's older than me. Quote, a few tweaks here and there. Other than that, it's pretty much as if it was back then, said Todd Fusier, Streets and Engineer Department Director. The gray building is occupied by personnel and equipment. Currently, several staffers are housed in a separate building, quote, which can make communication and coordination challenging, according to a city report. Offices are bare bones with some with some with nothing more than desks, chairs, and blank walls. A long narrow stairway leads to the main offices upstairs. Upgrades are necessary to bring the building into compliance with safety codes and to provide adequate office space for staff, the report said. Quote, we have people in spots that were formerly closets, Fusier said. Oh, that's not good. It will also include upgrades to meet the, American, uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Quote, we don't really have much for ADA compliance in our building right now, Fusier said. Oh, that's not good. He said $1 million was approved this year in year's budget for the remodel. The contract calls for Design West to develop construction construction drawings and specifications for building improvements, including offices, meeting rooms, and restrooms. Design West is one of the architectural firms on the city's on-call professional consultant services list for projects under $50,000. In other business, the city council voted to uphold the Design Review Commission's unanimous approval in October for a four-story, 34-unit condominium with two five-unit townhouses between 1st and 2nd Streets on Garden Avenue. Jacqueline Doyle, who lives near the project site, cited eight reasons for her appeal of the DRC's decision on Garden Avenue lofts and townhomes. The development is being proposed by 512 North 1st, LLC based in Denver. It would have undergone uh, it would have underground parking with 42 spaces, 27 one bedroom units and seven two bedroom units. It would be flanked by the duplex units, which will be 40 feet tall and would have private garages. Doyle argued the developers included, quote, den rooms in one-bedroom units to avoid meeting parking requirements. She also argued they were given construction bonuses for using upgraded building materials, brick and stone, in the design, but did not actually use brick and stone. Ooh. While the council voted 6-0 to uphold the DRC's decision, there was much discussion about the necessity of a design commission and said the lack of downtown parking is an issue that must be addressed. All right, moving on. Here we go, folks. We're gonna get into we're gonna get into some NIC stuff here today. Uh, if you're not interested, just hit that hit that little skip button on there. Moving on, another type of warning for NIC. This is by Kay Thornbrew. North Idaho College's bond ratings are under review for downgrade following recent actions by the Board of Trustees. Moody's Investor Services, a bond credit rating company, said in a December 21st news release that the, quote, governance considerations, including board structure risks, are a key consideration in this action, which affects $7.9 million in rated debt. The board members, very public disputes with one another, college leadership, and external parties are negatively impacting NIC's brand, which in turn could negatively impact students' demand and operations, Moody said. Neither Sarah Garcia, the college's vice president for business and finance, nor Greg McKenzie, the NIC board chair, responded Tuesday to requests for comment. Shocking. A board rating is a grade given to bonds that indicate their credit quality. Independent rating services like Moody's provide evaluations of a a bond issuer's financial strength or its, its ability to pay a bond's principal and interest in a timely fashion. 
In December of 2021, Moody's revised the college's rating outlook to negative while affirming its A1 issuer and A1 revenue bond ratings. Since then, Moody said the board has experienced, quote, notable turnover with three trustees resigning in the space a few months ago. Moody's noted that the college, quote, benefited from a period of management stability in the mid-2020 when the the Idaho State Board of Education appointed three temporary trustees who in turn hired Nick Swain as NIC's permanent president. But healthy financial performance is less certain for the coming year, Moody's said, despite increases in state aid and property taxes. Quote, Ongoing board dysfunction, including the placement of the president on the administrative leave and the upcoming visit from NIC's accrediting body, has reportedly negatively impacted student interest, enrollment, and retention, Moody said. That dysfunction cost NIC its insurer last year, according to Moody's, and resulted in two warning letters from the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities, its accreditation organization. The college also faces litigation on multiple fronts after placing Swain on administrative leave for unclear reasons in early December. Swain filed a lawsuit last month asking the court to restore him to his position. Trustees voted 3-2 last month to hire Greg South to serve as the college's acting president while Swain remains on administrative leave. A concern of the financial risk assessment firm was that the NIC board had not approved the college's fiscal 2020 audit, which was presented to the trustees December 5th, but it was not accepted as approved at the time. The financial audit was approved by the NIC board December 21st. Moody's also noted that the NWCCU had issued a letter December 17th to NIC cautioning the college as at risk of being out of compliance with accreditation eligibility requirements and standards. The college has until today, or this was on Wednesday, to respond and explain how it is not out of compliance. We do have a follow-up story on that. Just keep waiting. NIC has historically reported good operating performance with increasing cash reserves and low debt. According to Moody's, the college also benefits from diverse revenue streams, including property taxes, state aid, and tuition and fees. To read the full update from Moody's, visit thecourtlanepress.com. All right, jumping down, North Idaho COVID deaths, 238 in 2022. This is by Bill Buley. The Panhandle Health District reported that there were 238 deaths related to COVID-19 in 2022, and that number could rise. Quote, since there is a delay between when the death occurs and when it is reported to the health district, I would suspect that there will be more reported for December than we have not received, wrote Catherine Hoyer, health district spokeswoman. The Panhandle Health District, which covers Benoit, Boundary, Kootenai, Shoshone, and Bonner counties, recorded 15,863 new COVID-19 cases in 2022. That doesn't include an estimated 4,000 probable cases and any other cases that haven't been reported from the end of December. As well, the results at, of at-home tests are not reported, quote, so the numbers are probably low, Hoyer said. PhD recorded 835 new cases in November and December, well down from the 3,920 for the same two months in 2021. The most recent COVID-19 positivity rate in the PhD was 11.3% based on 582 PCR tests for the week ending in December 24th. Cooney County was 10.8% based on 416 PCR tests. The county's vaccination rate remains low, 43.1%, with 73,489 residents fully vaccinated. The number of Kootenai County residents with a second booster dose stands at 14,922. Pretty low. The total of COVID cases in the PhD stands at 64,802, with total deaths attributed to COVID-19 at 1,041. 
Of those, 90% were age 60 and older, while 1.1% were under the age of 40. Cooney Health on Tuesday had 14 COVID patients in-house, which is down from prior to the holidays. It reached a high of about 150 in late 2021. It still has masking and urgent cares, clinics, and in the hospitals. It has some visitors' restrictions in place, quote, but that is typical for this time of year due to the flu, RSV, and now COVID-19, a hospital spokesperson said. Hoyer said even with the lower case count, people should not dismiss COVID, which has caused more than 500,000 cases and 5,300 deaths in Idaho. Quote, COVID remains concerning as it continues to circulate in the community, send people to the hospital, and unfortunately, some do not survive, she wrote. Quote, an effective vaccine is available for those who would like to receive it. What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go steady with Bank CDA. You want local, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please at bankcda.com. Moving on, Thursday, January 5th headlines, doubling down on South. This is another NIC story by Kay Thornbrew. North Idaho has committed to paying a minimum of $465,000 per year to its two presidents. Trustees voted 3-2 last month to hire Greg South as interim president for NIC, effective December 21st, with a $235,000 contract that runs through June 30th, 2024, and an option to extend it. President Nick Swain, who trustees placed on administrative leave for no disciplinary reason in December, is paid $230,000 per year. Cool, 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 cool. Sounds great. The trustees who voted in favor of South's contract, Greg McKenzie, Todd Banducci, and Mike Wagner, Banducci, rather, and Mike Radner, Wagner, boy, struggling on names today. Did not respond to requests for comment. South was an interim dean of instruction at NIC for several months in 2021. He's stepping in into the role filled by Swain, who remains on administrative leave. Swain is suing the college and the trustees to be restored to his position. Obtained Wednesday by the press, press rather, South's contract contains a number of financial perks, as well as a hefty payout if the board terminates him without cause before his 18-month contract is up. The payout is equivalent to 12 months of South's base pay of $235,000. If the board terminates South for cause, he will be paid his annual base salary for the remainder of the term or for three more months, whichever is less. Quote, Given the current NIC and community environment, the contract says, South will receive a $35,000 signing bonus by the end of the month. He will also receive up to $27,000 to cover moving expenses, as well as a $3,000 monthly housing allowance. Wow, what a... What a gig. Swain's contract provides for a $2,500 monthly housing allowance and reimbursement of, quote, reasonable actual expenses associated with his move to Idaho. Boy, oh boy, just keeps getting better and better. And I see we'll make an annual retirement contribution equal to 15% of South Bay's pay or $35,250. The college's retirement contribution for Swain is 10% of his base pay or $23,000. Trustee Banducci publicly criticized Swain's contract as exorbitant and voted against approving it last summer. Quote, this is outrageous. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw in some inflection there. This is outrageous, Banducci said of Swain's contract during a t- July 2022 board meeting. Quote, this is a gold-plated contract. The public needs to know. Hmm. Might, might be some hypocrisy there, perhaps. He pointed to Swain's base pay, annual retirement contribution, monthly housing allowance, and reimbursement for moving expenses, which are lower than South's. Quote, wow, Banducci said. Shocking. 
were supposed to be fiduciaries. Okay. He also compared to uh, compared Swain's contract to unfavorably to that of former NIC president Mick McC- uh, Rick McLennan, whose base pay was around two hundred twenty-two thousand dollars. "Quote: Much of the community was aghast. I think when they realized just how much we were paying the former president," Banducci said in July. "Now we're going to be paying more. Well, we're paying even more now for the new guy. South's base pay is nearly six percent higher than McLean's. Independent sources told the press on Wednesday that South was hired as a team of." Uh, has hired a team of three people to join the president's cabinet at NIC. Laura Laura Rumpler, the college's chief communications and government relations officer, was unable to confirm this when asked by email about the hirings and the salaries. In the same email, Rumpler was also asked to provide copies of the related contracts. While Idaho's public records law does not does protect much of the public employee's personal information, per Idaho Code Section 74106, certain information regarding public officials' employment is not exempt from disclosure, including information generally part of an employment contract. Idaho Education News reported Wednesday that NIC also paid former interim president and wrestling coach Michael Sabali through the end of 2022. Sabali earned $180,000 a year as interim president between October 21st and June of 2022. Though January 20 through January 1st rather, he was paid at $56,660 the wage he earned as coach. He resigned from his position at NIC in September after the college placed him on administrative leave. To read the full contracts for South and Swain, visit CoeurDeLanePress.com. Ah, some more, some more fun going on at North Idaho College. All right, moving on. Headline, Genesis Prep Mom Wins Truck. This is by Devin Weeks. Each year for the past three, Chelsea Grelatch has bought raffle tickets to try her luck in a multi-school car giveaway. Oh, yes, I remember it quite well when I was in, in school. In December, she was in luck. She won a truck. Quote, I didn't believe them when they called me, Grelatch said Wednesday. Quote, it was one of my daughter's friends who called and said we won the truck, and I didn't believe them. Grelatch of Rathrum has four kids at Genesis Preparatory Academy in Post Falls, one of the raffles participating schools. She said she usually buys a few of the $10 tickets, but this year she bought 200 of them. Well, that certainly increases your odds. Quote, we sold a lot of them, she said. Whichever ones we didn't sell, we paid for the rest because that's my kids' sports fees for the year. A total of 4,854 tickets were sold for the 2022 raffle, which launched in March, bringing in $48,540 for participating schools, including Genesis Prep and Wallace, Lakeside, Kootenai, Clark Fork, Mullen, Kellogg, and St. Mary's High Schools. Proceeds from the raffle mostly support athletics, but also help fund facilities, school supplies, drama departments, associated student body programs, book clubs, and National Honor Society programming. The multi-school raffle has been held for at least five years. Since 2017, 16,761 tickets have been sold to raise $167,610 for the participating schools. Jonah Nameson of Post Falls, Volkswagen, has supported the raffle since 2017. This year, he partnered with Nick Navetti of Coeur d'Alene Nissan and Osborne-based Zanetti Bros, Inc. to sweeten the annual raffle with a brand new black 2023 Nissan Frontier truck. Yeah, those things are pretty sweet, not gonna lie. Congratulations, that is an awesome win, awesome raffle win. Always, always feels good to get your name called and that kind of stuff. Moving on, Friday, January 6th headlines. NIC responds to a creditor warning. I'm sure everybody at this point is totally sick of hearing about NIC, but we're going to power through it. Here we go, everybody. 
This by Kay Thornbrew. North Idaho College has responded to a warning letter issued last month by its accrediting organization. In a letter dated December 17th, the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities cautioned NIC that the board's recent actions do not align with eligibility requirements and standards for accreditation and gave the college until Wednesday to explain how it is, n- out, is not out of compliance. The response, prepared by the college's newly hired interim president and members of the administration, is dated January 4th and was made public a day later on the NIC website. Quote, the language of a potential adverse action from the commission along with the timing of the letter with the holiday campus closure has taken an increased toll on NIC's faculty and staff, began the conclusion provided by the college in its response to the NWCCU. The warning letter outlined multiple eligibility requirements related to operational focus and independence, institutional integrity, the governing board, the chief executive officers, which in NIC's case is the president, the administration, and the college's relationship with the NWCCU. The letter has also listed eight standards of accreditation NIC is or appears to be out of compliance with. NWCCU did not identify specific actions for the board to take, according to NIC's response. Quote, members of the administration worked during the college's winter break closure to piece together concerns for the board about their actions and provided a, quote, roadmap to the board, the response said. NIC's letter noted steps the college has taken to address concerns from its accreditor, such as allowing public comment during regular board meetings, okay, curing numerous violations of Idaho's open open meeting laws that occurred during recent meetings, and accepting NIC's most recent financial audit. Okay. The college acknowledged a December 19th memo from the co-acting presidents, CEOs Lloyd Dunman, Duman, rather, and Sarah Garcia to the board, which, quote, strongly recommended, unquote, trustees perform specific actions to comply with NWCCU standards. That included immediately reinstating President Nick Swain, who the board placed on administrative leave for no reason, really, leave on December 8th for no disciplinary reason. Instead, trustees hired Greg South as interim president, giving him an 18-month contract and a hefty one at that we just talked about before. Quote, the board attorney announced that because of the impending litigation from the current permanent president who is under administrative leave, the board will consider the hiring of an interim president for the duration of the investigation, the college wrote in its response. It's unclear when NIC's attorney, Art McComber, made that announcement. Swain filed a lawsuit asking to be reinstated December 16th, nearly a week after the December 10th, uh, December 10th meeting, during which trustees voted to have the board chair contact South to see if he was interested in the president's position and, if so, to begin negotiations with him. The board met on December 21st and passed a motion to hire South effective December 22nd. Quote, the results of the investigation and litigation will determine the course of the action for the board regarding the status of the permanent president, NIC's response said. The college included other information for NWCCU to consider, including an announcement from Moody's Investor Services that NIC's bond ratings are under review for downgrade following recent actions by the Board of Trustees. Yeah, that's... That seems like that's not a good thing. That's that's not a good thing. The college wrote in its response that, quote, the incoming administration has pledged to work with the board to organize the development of and to guide the coach trustees on the principles of good governance, including ethical behavior, with the goal of making continued progress outlined in the action letter of April 1st, 2022, and any other deficiencies the commission deems necessary. That's that's a lot of verbiage right there. College administrators requested to host a team from NWCCU on campus, quote, before any adverse action is considered in order to highlight the, quote, great strides NIC has made since previous warnings were issued. 
Quote, there are many other great stories of resilience, success, and community impacts that NIC students, faculty, and staff may be able to share with a visiting team, the response said. Okay. The student government, staff, and faculty assemblies all have all issued votes of no confidence in the board. To read NWCCU's warning letter and NIC's response, visit cdapress.com. All right, folks, I'm done with NIC stuff. Promise we are out of it for the rest of the show. Moving on, KHS, or Kootenai Humane Society, 1,412 animals adopted in 2022. Ah, what a heartwarming story. This is by Bill Bealey. Kootenai Humane Society connected more than 1,000 animals with homes last year. All told, 1,412 animals were adopted from KHS in 2022, Development Director Vicki Nelson said. That included 703 cats, 633 dogs, 20 rabbits, 12 guinea pigs, 10 rodents, 3 birds, and a pot-bellied pig. Oh boy, that's good for them. KHS also performed 3,722 spay and neuter surgeries and vaccinated 5,326 animals. While it was a busy year, 2023 may even be busier for KHS with its move to a new home on Atlas Road and changing its name to Companions Animal Center. Quote, the new facility is coming along, Nelson said. No move-in date is set, but quote, we are hopeful it is soon, she added. The 22,000 square foot building at 12, uh, 12575 North Atlas Road in Hayden, designed by Longwell and Trap Architects, will offer more space for animals, staff, services, storage, and supplies. It will allow the shelter to leave its aging, crowded, and long-time home at the north end of Ramsey Road and move into a modern facility on 10 acres. The new building will be bright with natural light from many windows. Quote, it's going to be very, very, very functional, and that's what we were after, said Debbie Jeffrey, KHS Executive Director. Most importantly, she said the new building will annually be be able to accommodate thousands of animals that need medical care, that need to be rescued from life-threatening conditions, and that need help as they continue their journeys to finding loving homes. The capital campaign to fund the $8 million project has reached $6 million. KHS currently has six adult dogs and five puppies available for adoption, as well as 42 cats and kittens. That's a lot of kittens. All, All you cool cats out there. Go out there and adopt a new furry animal today. All right, folks, time to jump north to the Bonner County Daily Bee. Headlines coming out of Sandpoint for Wednesday, January 4th. Headline, Queen for Away. This is by Bo White Eagle. There is a royal among us, a queen who earned her crown by conquering weight loss. Jeanette Langlois was given her crown by Take Off Pound Sensibly, the group also known as TOPS. The nonprofit organization is dedicated to helping members overcome health and weight issues with education, group support, and an individually-based approach. Each year, TOPS rewards the hard work put in by members throughout the year by crowning royalty, an honor given to those who lose the most weight by the end of the year. At the end of 2021... Langlois earned the honor by losing over 50 pounds. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Got it. Love love to hear those success stories. That's awesome. When people ask how she did it, Langlois said it was, quote, determination. Langlois said she was introduced to Tops in 1986 by a friend. Attending the weekly meetings, Langlois said she felt supported on her journey. While she, quote, slipped every now and again, Langlois said the meetings and friends she made helped her find her way and helped her keep going. 
continuing to attend meetings even when she was in a slip. Langlois said she even became a volunteer for the organization, from filling roles to administration to becoming an organizing chief. Starting at 290 pounds, Langlois said she set a goal for herself to get down to 140, a goal she has spent the past 36 years trying to achieve. However, Langlois said it was consistently consistency and never giving up that truly helped her accomplish a goal. Using an elliptical machine for exercise and eating properly over the years, Langlois said it was it was then that she started to see and feel progress. She suggests that exercise equipment to everyone because of how well she has done. Quote, it's just wonderful, Langlois said. Although Langlois voted queen, was voted queen at the end of 2021, it wasn't until the spring of 2022 that the honor was officially celebrated and she received the crown. Quote, I was in shock, Langlois said. Now the weight recorder, uh, recorder for the local TOPS chapter, Langlois said she was aware of how well she had done, but did not expect to be crowned due to how grand the scale was. While TOPS is a national organization with chapters in select cities and states, royalty is crowned by the state. In receiving the honor, Langlois served as TOPS Idaho Queen throughout 2022. Now, with the new year passed and a new queen set to be crowned, Langlois said she has felt many emotions from pride and surprise to sadness over giving up the crown. However, that does not mean that Langlois giving up, is giving up her journey. On the contrary, she said she continues to focus on her health journey and her weight is currently under 140 pounds. Congratulations. That is, that is awesome. Love those stories. Moving on, Connolly sworn in as mayor. This by Carolyn Lobsinger. Jeff Connolly is back where he started his public service career, the city of Priest River. Connolly, who served on the council for 15 years before being elected Bonner County Commissioner in District 2, was sworn into office Tuesday as mayor. The Priest River native was appointed to fill the remaining term of Kevin Wiley, who stepped down due to work commitments. Quote, just want to make sure that the community is taken care of, Connolly told the Daily Bee. I, feel, I felt like I should step up. I think I've got the experience and the time to do the job. Born and raised in Priest River, Connolly said he cares deeply about the community. He said he is dedicated to using his experience and devoting his time to helping the city prosper. With the organization's skills he's picked up over the past six years as county commissioner, Connolly said he wants to help city staff and council, as well as the city residents, accomplish their goals. Quote, going to rely on everyone to bring uh, bring to me what they need, you know, to help them do what they have to do to accomplish the things we, we need to accomplish, Connolly said. Priest River is, quote, very vibrant, a very vibrant community that has seen its share of challenges and growing pains over the years. Connolly said he was to be a part of ensuring what makes the community a special place to live in is preserved and to encourage others to do the same. While he was temporarily while he will temporarily serve as both county commissioner and as mayor of Priest River, Connolly said he checked with the county's attorney's office to make sure that it would not pose any conflicts. However, he said if anything came up during the coming week, he would declare a conflict and re- recuse himself from any vote. One of two applicants, the new mayor said he is looking forward to serving Priest River and putting his experience and knowledge to work for the community. Quote, I think I bring a lot of experience and knowledge to the table, Connolly said, and then, you know, I have the time. So I think that's important not to lose sight of the amount of time that it takes to do the job. Connolly submitted his letter of interest in mid-November, telling the council that he wanted to serve to his serve his community. His long history of civil service includes 15 years on the Priest River City Council, including four as council president. All right. Well, glad to see that uh, Priest River suddenly has someone finally has uh, is at the helm of that great city. I love it up there in Priest River. Moving on Thursday, January 5th headlines. Crews make quick winter repairs at SMS. This is by Bo White Eagle. 
A mid-December steam leak at Sandpoint Middle School was quickly repaired, but left three classrooms without heat for several days, Lake Ponderay School District officials said. A steam leak, discovered December 13th at Sandpoint Middle School, had the LPOSD maintenance team moving quickly to isolate the issue, Kristen Hawkins, LPOSD Community Relations Liaison, said. The fast action allowed for the school day to go uninterrupted and left only three classrooms without heat for a few days after the leak was discovered. Although space heaters were provided, Hawkins said the heaters struggled to keep the rooms comfortable. Under two feet of concrete and dirt, the leak was found in a three-inch pipe located in a hallway. Hawkins said the facilities team removed and reinstalled the pipe without tearing the wall away. Finally, welds on the connections were done by Steve Peck Fabrication to finish up the repair work. The quick response garnered praise from the district maintenance team from the many from many in the district, including LPOSD facilities director Matt Deal. Quote, I'm so proud of my team, Deal said. We feel honored to have men and women who jumped in to repair what is broken, who make beautiful what has been destroyed, and who, in, who ensure our, that our grounds, classrooms, and spaces are cared for with such attentiveness. Well, what a great thing to say. Hawkins said heat was restored just two days after the discovery on December 15th, shortly after 10.30 a.m. Quote, thanks to the diligence and hard work of the outstanding team. When she learned about this steam leak, LPOSD Superintendent Dr. Becky Meyer said she was concerned not only for the situation at hand, but safety and reliability of many buildings in the district. Quote, I'm genuinely concerned about the aging infrastructure of some of the district's oldest schools, Meyer said. I want our students to be in a safe, secure learning environment. Students cannot focus on education if they are not in a conducive learning environment. That's a great point. The age of the infrastructure in LPOSD schools has been a concern and the district is actively working to address, Hawkins said. Among the efforts is work by the maintenance team to repair water piping at Southside Elementary in September, 69 years after the original construction in 1953. All right, moving on. Friday, January 6th headline, Water Systems Net DEQ Funding. This is by Carolyn Lobsinger. A number of North Idaho drinking water and wastewater systems were among those selected for Idaho Department of Environmental Quality funding, Idaho officials announced Thursday. A total of 24 systems, including three in Bonner County and two in Kootenai County, received grants to help the facilities evaluate systems deficiencies and determine necessary upgrades as part of Governor Brad Little's, quote, leading Idaho plan. In Bonner County, the city of Dover, Outlet Bay Sewer, and West Bonner Water and Sewer all, were all received funding. In Kootenai County, the city of Coeur d'Alene and the Hauser Lake Water Association received funding. Quote, families, farmers, ranchers, and all Idaho residents rely on clean, efficient water and wastewater systems. These systems are not only a crucial part of our way of life, but also our economy as well. Funding for these projects from, from lead, my leading Idaho plan aims to ensure that Idaho residents, especially those in our rural communities, can depend on our water and wastewater infrastructure for generations to come, Governor Brad Little said. The city of Dover received $82,000 for a study of its wastewater system, with the city picking up the remainder of the $164,000 cost. The Outlet Bay Sewer District was awarded $28,750, half of the $57,500 cost of a wastewater facility study, and the Bonner Water and Sewer District was awarded half of the cost of the $35,000 cost for a study of drinking water system. The city of Coeur d'Alene was awarded 50% of the $207,700 needed to prepare a drinking water planning study and environmental review to evaluate the current drinking water system and identify needed improvements. The Hauser Lake Water Association Incorporated was awarded 50% of the $40,000 needed for a study and environmental review to evaluate its current drinking water system and identify needed improvements. 
the remainder of the cost will uh, cost for the study will be covered by the municipalities or respective water and sewer districts. DEQ's planning grant program provides assistance to eligible wastewater and drinking water systems. The grants are used to develop engineering reports identifying the most cost-effective, environmentally sound method of upgrading a system to achieve and maintain compliance with state and federal standards. Watts Appliances have been providing incomparable customer service to the Silver Valley for over 50 years. The family-owned and operated business has a wealth of knowledge regarding appliances and the brands they sell. Whether you're in need of a new washing machine or have questions about refrigerators, Watts Appliance is ready to help. Visit wattsappliance.com or stop by and visit at 3 North Division Street in Pinehurst. All right, folks, jumping into Shoshone News Press headlines from Friday, January 6th. Headline, Board, Clerks. Resign following CWD, Cataldo Water District, recall petition. This is by Josh McDonald. The Cataldo Water District is under new management. If by new, we mean no. Last month, Shoshone County Clerk Tammy Lewis Eberhard approved five petitions to recall the Water District's five board members, Ed Hansen, Daniel Waldo, Lisa Eaton, Daniel Peterson, and Kathleen House, all of whom resigned from their positions effective December 30th. The recall effort, led by Kingston resident Don Huff, comes after several recent incidents in which the Water District's employees, customers, and the board itself clashed concerning the direction the taxing district was going following the approval of the 2022-2023 budget, which included a steep rate increase. Many of the district's 250 customers were enraged by the decisions to increase their bills from $28 per month to $45 per month, plus an additional $1.50 for every 1,000 gallons of water used. This is a significant change for customers who had been paying less while receiving their first 10,000 gallons of water per month free under previous budgets. Those rate increases, along with a 2022-2023 budget hike from $85,900 to $187,825, have fueled the recall effort. Increases in prices for materials, upgrades, and the rent on the building where the Water District housed its offices have been cited by the board and clerks as the major reasons behind the increases, but that hasn't curbed the vitriol between the two groups. The district's two clerks also resigned their positions, meaning that as of press time, the only employees of the district is their lone maintenance worker. According to Lewis Eberhard, after mailing each of the five board members letters informing them of the approved petition, they were given two options, resign or go through an election process to see if their recall was the wish of the majority of the district's electors. Quote, I received notification by December, tw- December 30th, rather, 2022, that three of the board members were resigning immediately, Lewis Eberhard told the news press. I was not contacted by the other two, but I was told by- that they resigned following the last board meeting. She is now working with the county's legal department to determine the next steps needed in order to restore the board. Customers of the Cataldo Water District can still call the district's phone number because, allegedly, the messages are being checked regularly. Bills can, be still, uh, bills can also still be paid. They simply need to be mailed in. To report an issue, contact the Cataldo Water District at 208-682-3581. To mail in payments, send it to P.O. Box 211, Kingston, Idaho, 83839. The Shoshone News Press will continue to follow this story. Drama in the Cataldo Water District. Oh, boy. All right, moving on. Last story for Shoshone. Working for the public. Director of Public Works, Jessica Stutsky. Ah, this is by Molly Roberts. Shoshone County stretches over 2,636 square miles of scenic mountains and valleys comprised of seven incorporated cities along Interstate 90. 
Different departments tackle different aspects of the county, like the Public Works Department, which oversees four road districts and two county parks, Jean Day Park and West Shoshone Park, and is responsible for maintaining approximately 375 miles of roadway, 79 bridges in the county. The Shoshone News Press spoke recently with promoted Director of uh, Public Works Jessica Stutsky to talk about the ins and outs of the department, as well as some challenges and highlights. Quote, I love everything about this department, Stutsky said. If I had to choose a single favorite, it would be our employees. They are a great group of hardworking people, with each and every one of them adding something valuable to the team. The department currently has 25 full-time employees in the road department, with six temporary seasonal employees hired in the winter. In addition, four temporary seasonal employees are hired each year to staff the two parks. Quote, we are understaffed for our winter maintenance to date. We are still looking to fill our four positions for temporary winter maintenance. We are almost fully staffed for our full-time positions. We have one open position in our Murray Road District. The department isn't without its challenges, as Stutsky explained. Quote, wintertime is sometimes difficult in our department. Staffing levels and equipment breakdowns can have negative effect on the level of service we can provide our community. We pull together and work many extra hours to keep our roads safe and navigable. Many of the grant or funding programs that are applied for are administered by the Local Highway Technical Assistance Council, or LTAC. The, quote, LTAC have streamlined the application process so much that the application process can be handled in-house by our PW administrative staff with limited need to seek outside assistance. In the past, we have sought assistance from engineering consulting firms to secure funding. Stutsky explained rather, that the department received a Federal Lands Access Program, or FLAP grant, which will provide safety improvements along the Coeur d'Alene River Road and Pritchard Creek Road to Murray. The project is 100% funded and 70% designed, with the construction to begin late this year or nearly or early, early next year. You can reach Public Works Department at 208-753-5475. Congratulations, Jessica. You are well-deserving of that job. Uh, you're going to do great. Happy, happy that you're there. All right, folks, time to round out the show here with some Bonner's Ferry Herald headlines coming from Thursday, January 5th. Headline, Year of the Grizzly. This is by Emily Bosung. 2022 saw an increase in grizzly bear and livestock interactions across the country, uh, the county, rather. This past year, two bears were euthanized by Idaho Department of Fish and Game and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service due to repeated attacks against livestock in the Naples and Port Hill areas throughout the spring and summer. The attacks led to Idaho Fishing Game officials working to educate farmers and hobby farmers on the necessity of electric fences to keep out predators and other measures to minimize bear interactions. Quote, lock up your food and utilize electric fences for domestic livestock and animals, Conservation Officer Jeremy Gaffield said in the summer. In the summer, animals go for the easy meal. Make it hard with electric shock. Several of the grizzly bear attacks on livestock took place at locations that did not have electric fences and where feed was left out, Gaffield said. Quote, in response to the incidents, Fish and Game Conservation Officers and USDA Wildlife Services staff provided the landowners with electric fencing to secure remaining livestock and set multiple traps in an attempt to capture the bear, Idaho Fish and Game officials said in a press release. Gaffield said a bear will often hit a location and never return. Bear sightings, especially near homes and farms, should be reported to the Idaho Fish and Game Panhandle Region Office at 208-769-1414. Photos are appreciated as it helps Idaho Fish and Game officials to track monitor and identify bears in the area, he added. 
Idaho Fishing Game has electric fence equipment available on loan on a case-by-case basis. Property owners should contact Idaho Fishing Game for more information. Landowners can request assistance and a variety of educational materials for living in bear country by contacting the Panhandle Regional Office at 208-769-1414. In addition, other cost-sharing programs through the entities exist for reducing human-bear conflicts. For more information or if you have questions, please contact the Panhandle Regional Office. All right, folks, last story for the day. Watchmen told to cease and desist. This is also by Emily Bosung. Boundary County Watchmen, a blog and social media site, has been ordered to stop using Boundary County official seal. At the January 3rd County Commissioner's meeting, Boundary County Chief Deputy Prosecuting Attorney uh, Tevis Hull, not Travis, but Tevis, Hull said that he sent out a cease and desist letter in late December to the Boundary County Watchmen to remove the county seal from their website and any other publication they have. As of January 3rd, Hull had not received any response. Adrian Norris told the Herald that she had not received the document. Quote, I have not received a letter or any communication in regards to using the county flag. Should I receive this letter or any communication, I will be glad to reinvestigate the claim, or investigate the claim, rather, she said. Should I be at fault, I will be glad to remedy the issue. However, Norris said after research of the use of a municipality flag, a similar case has already gone to trial and that court, quote, deemed that a municipality insignia cannot be trademarked. She stood by the posted statements on the Watchman's social media page, quote, We are citizens of Boundary County standing guard, watching. We post events, meetings, openings for jobs and other positions, also potential accountability issues and more, she wrote in the Herald. Disclaimer, we are not endorsed, authorized, or sponsored by any entity or government agency. The Boundary County Watchman also has a YouTube channel, which as of January 4th still uses the Boundary County seal as the channel's image. In September of 2022, the YouTube channel first popped up under the name Boundary County. On September 13th, the YouTube channel's first video was the Boundary County Library Board meetings uh, members meeting with the Idaho County's Risk Management Program, Library's insurance company, for their insurance non-renewal pre- appeal. The video has since been removed from the channel. This meeting was in response to ICRMP's Executive Director Timothy L. Osborne August's letter to the Library District and Board that the Library District's insurance is set to expire on midnight of October 1st and will not be renewed. Increased risk exposure and potential for adverse claims were cited among the, quote, numerous factors behind the decision he wrote. In September, Boundary County Public Information Officer Andrew O'Neill was contacted by the Herald to confirm if the YouTube channel was affiliated with Boundary County. Quote, I do not believe so. I know nothing about one, but I could check, but I will check to make sure. Odd that the county seal is being used, O'Neill wrote via email. On December 16th, Hull told the Herald that his office has been made aware of the social media sites and was researching the issue. Boundary County Watchman's operates out of BoundaryLibrary.org, which was the staging ground for the Boundary County Library Board recall. The website is not owned or managed by the library. Rather, it's operated by Andrea, uh, Andrea Norris, who is the author of the blog post and was a petition, cir- a petition circular for the recall. In September of 2022, Norris, along with Tiffany Nichols, Faye Almond, and a local real estate official, Donna Capuso, Capusro, filed a tort claim against the library for $5 million in damages on the grounds of religious discrimination. They wrote that they have been, quote, seriously stigmatized in the small communities and are now considered militant Christian fundamentalists due to the library's coordinated smear campaign against them. Yes, this, the, those libraries always, always 
uh, launching smear campaigns against people. Also in September, Norris wrote a letter requesting assistance of any agency elected official to, quote, properly handle serious matters of public concern. She lists concerns of the past library director, Kimber Glidden, and wrote Glidden did her best to, quote, discredit the efforts of the community members working on the recall. Clinton resigned in September, stating that it was due to the political atmosphere of extremism, militant Christian fundamentalism, and intimidation tactics, oh, and threatening behavior uh, behavior currently being employed in the community. In the letter sent to a number of local and state officials, Norris went on to list community members that opposed the library recall and their assumed place of employment. ICRMP is a member-owned carrier created by Idaho local governments to provide property and casualty insurance for public entities. The carrier provides all insurance coverage for BCL. The city of Bonner's Ferry, Kootenai County, uh, Kootenai County, Bonner, and Boundary Counties, and other jurisdictions also use ICRMP. Oh boy, I could have gone without learning any more about any drama on the on the Bonner County Library Board, but here we are. All right, folks, we'd like to again, once again, we'd like to thank Hecla Mining Companies for sponsoring this episode. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please, uh, Hecla Mining Company, boy, I'm, I'm starting to run out of run out of steam here, folks. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit HeclaMining.com. All right, folks, once again, I'm going to refer you back to our websites for all the stories that we talked about today or the ones we did not. Also, subscribe to us on any podcatcher or music app that you listen in on. We are listed on all of them. Give us a subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out and leave a nice review. I'm going to send you off here with some music from Mel Dalton. Everybody, have a great weekend. See you next